right. Good morning, everybody. Well, we had a lovely summer this year, didn't we? Um, it's a shame it's over. We're back to fall. <laughs> uh, it's true that as Minnesotans, we have to live by faith and not by sight, right? <laughs> so here we are. Lord, we have faith. Summer's coming. Um, I'd like to pray this morning. Would you join me? Father God, we thank you for who you are. First and foremost, God, for your character, your goodness, your kindness. Jesus, your faithfulness to us as your people. God, we pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Would you open our hearts this morning to your word? Father, we don't want your word to bounce off our hearts, but Lord, we want it to penetrate and we want to receive from you genuinely, vulnerably. Father, would you help us? In your name, amen. Well, this morning we're going to be talking about the God who gives strength. Uh, who would you talk about if you were talking about strength? Just a biblical character, who would you talk about? We're not talking about him today. <laughs> but yeah, actually, Samson is a cautionary tale about what not to do with the strength that God gives you and how to lose that strength when we are disobedient. But actually, today we're going to be talking out of Judges chapter 4, we're going to be looking at Jael. Now, Judges is a book that talks about the period of time um, between Israel coming into the Promised Land and before the kings. What they did is they didn't really have much of a political system. They had someone who was appointed judge and who made decisions um, as people had different issues, they heard from the Lord, and they waged war, and there were many of them. Judges is a fascinating book. If you think the Bible is boring, it's because you've only read the boring parts. Um, but there's a lot in it that is very fascinating and, and definitely very interesting to read, and this is one of those stories, and Judges has a lot of good ones in it, but we're going to look at J.L. in chapter 4. Would you read with me? After Ehud died, who was one of the other judges, the Israelites once again did evil in the eyes of the Lord. This was a cycle that they kept doing. The judges would come along, God would deliver them, they would say, oh, thank you, God, they'd follow him for a short time, then they'd fall back into sin. God would appoint another judge, then deliver them again. Over and over throughout the book of Judges, we see this happening. And this is what happened after Ehud died. Ehud led them well, they were following the Lord, uh, then he died, and then they did evil in the eyes of the Lord again. Chapter, verse 2, so the Lord sold them into the hands of Jabin, a king of Canaan who reigned in Hazor. The commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Herosheth Hagoyim. Because he had 900 iron chariots and had cruelly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years, they cried to the Lord for help. Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, was leading Israel at that time. She was the judge. She held court under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites came to her to have their disputes decided. She sent for Barak, son of Abinoam, from Kadesh in Naphtali, and said to him, The Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, Go, take with you 10,000 men of Naphtali and Zebulun, and lead the way to Mount Tabor. I will lure Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his troops to the Kishon River and give him into your hand. Barak said to her, if you go with me, I will go, but if you don't go with me, I will not go. 
Very well, Deborah said, I will go with you. But because of the way you're going about this, the honor will not be yours, for the Lord will hand Sisera over to a woman. So Deborah went with Barak to Kadesh, where he summoned Zebulun and Naphtali. 10,000 men followed him, and Deborah also went with him. Now, Sisera has 9,000 iron chariots, and the Lord has said, take 10,000 men, plus Deborah, down and fight these guys and their 9,000 chariots, guys who had oppressed them cruelly for 20 years. All right, now here we have sort of a parenthetical statement here in, in verse 11. Now Heber the Kenite had left the other Kenites, the descendants of Hobab, Moses' brother-in-law, and pitched his tent by the great tree in Zanamnim near Kadesh. Okay, that's an aside statement, but remember that. When they told Sisera that Barak, son of Abinoam, had gone up to Mount Tabor, Sisera gathered together his 900 iron chariot, oh, I'm sorry, 900 iron chariot, and all the men with him from Harasheth Hagayim to the Kishon River. Then Deborah said to Barak, Go, this is the day the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. Has not the Lord gone ahead of you? So Barak went down Mount Tabor, followed by 10,000 men. At Barak's advance, the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and army by the sword, and Sisera abandoned his chariot and fled on foot. But Barak pursued the chariots and army as far as Harasheth Hagayim. All the troops of Sisera fell by the sword, and not a man was left. Sisera, however, fled on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber the Canaanite, because there were friendly relations between Jabin, king of Hazor, and the clan of Heber the Canaanite. Jael went out to meet Sisera and said to him, Come, my lord, come right in. Don't be afraid. So he entered her tent, and she put a covering over him. I'm thirsty, he said. Please give me some water. She opened a skin of milk, gave him a drink, and covered him up. She tucks him in like a good mother hen, right? She's like, oh, no water for you, Sisera. No, no, I have milk. Don't worry, I'll cover you up. I know you're tired. He says to her, stand in the doorway of the tent, he told her. If someone comes by and asks you, is anyone here? Say no. But Jael, Heber's wife, picked up a tent peg and a hammer and went quietly to him while he lay fast asleep, exhausted. She drove the peg through his temple and into the ground, and naturally he died. Barak came by in pursuit of Sisera, and Jael went out to meet him. Come, she said, I will show you the man you're looking for. So he went with her, and there lay Sisera with the tent peg through his temple, again dead. On that day, God subdued Jabin, the Canaanite king, before the Israelites, and the hand of the Israelites grew stronger and stronger against Jabin, the Canaanite king, until they destroyed him. So this is a really fascinating story, isn't it? Um, you know, not necessarily uh, something you might want to see on film in very graphic nature. Wouldn't take your kids to that movie. Um, but, but this is what happened. And this is a, a piece of artwork uh, that I was able to find. I don't know the artist, but um, there are a lot of depictions of J.L. and Sisera because it is such a unique story. Most of them came out of the Renaissance, and a lot of uh, the the women and, and the men who are dressed in there, like Sisera is dressed like a knight with you know, armor, and J.L. is you know this Renaissance woman dressed like... They would be like us today trying to draw this story wearing jeans and a hoodie, right? So... Um, but this is probably closer to what it, what it really was like. And I like this picture, too, because a lot of the depictions show, show J.L. as this strong woman imposing almost an Amazon-like figure who, who is 
putting her strength to good use. But this, I think, is probably closer to the reality. The Bible doesn't tell us a whole lot about Jael, but it doesn't say she was an Amazon, right? It doesn't say she was hugely physically strong. Um, she's not necessarily described as physically imposing. And in fact, earlier in the chapter, it says, I'm going to give Sisera to a woman. Okay. It almost has this connotation of just a woman, right? But we see that with God's power, she actually overcomes someone who is far stronger, far more experienced, wise in battle, has all these resources. And we can learn a lot about strength from Jael. And it's not all necessarily physical strength that she brought about to do this. She used her head, right? And in uh, the following chapter, Judges chapter 5, Deborah and Barak, the, the general of the Israelite army, actually spend the whole chapter singing this beautiful poem about what the Lord did that day, how he delivered them. And there's lots of, lots of retelling of Jael's story there. And in Judges 5.31, this is what it says. It just described what Jael did to Sisera, and it says, So may all your enemies perish, Lord, just like that. But may all who love you be like the sun when it rises in its strength. And then the land had peace for 40 years. How long had Sisera oppressed Israel? 20 years. And now, because of Jael's courage and strength, they have peace for 40. Pretty cool, huh? So twice as long. So Jael's story isn't so much, I don't think, about physical strength, although we know that sometimes the Lord does provide extra physical strength to people, right? We all hear stories about uh, mothers lifting the car off their child or, you know, all this stuff, and God gave us the beautiful thing called adrenaline, which helps us sometimes do things that we normally wouldn't be able to do, and sometimes the Spirit empowers people physically to, to do strong things. Uh, one time we were, uh, some friends and I were uh, scuba diving in the St. Lawrence River in upstate New York and um, having a good old time and we're there under the water and we start noticing actually even on the surface that it's getting dark and kind of becoming very cloudy suddenly. So we came up and we noticed that a very sudden storm is rolling in very quickly, black clouds and they're coming and it's flashing and here we are on the river. And so we're quick scrambling out, getting onto the boat. And my roommate at the time was my friend Tosca, and she's uh, six foot one, and uh, you know, uh, sort of an imposing figure. And at the time, I had been ill for a while, and I weighed 115 pounds soaking wet. It's not a problem anymore, um, but <laughs> that was pretty little and, and didn't have a lot of strength. But as I'm standing there on the boat and she's struggling to get up, I look up and here come the clouds, and there is lightning coming, and I don't know what happened but I grabbed her BC jacket, hauled her up, and stood her there on the boat. And she just went, you know. And it was one of those moments where it's like, this has got to happen. We're doing it. And so um, whether it was adrenaline or the Lord's grace or whatever, um, there are moments where the Lord gives us physical strength. Has anybody ever experienced anything like that? Yeah. Okay. The Lord's so good and faithful to us. But I think that JL's strength actually is a different kind of strength that we can witness. Um, we see that, first of all, she has strength of character. She is faithful when nobody else around her is. She was part of this tribe 
of the Kenites, who, if you look back at verse 11, they had left Moses' people. And they had separated and said, well, this is God's people, but we're going to be over here. Okay. So Jael was part of this group of people. But there was something in her that said, ah, I'm going to be true to God. Right? So Sisera, it's perfect. It's a perfect trap the Lord set up, okay? Because Sisera thinks, I'm safe here with these people. I'm going to run to this tent. This gal's with me, thinks he's safe, but he doesn't know that she has a heart to serve the living God of Israel. And she has the strength of character to do something that the people in her society, her village, her husband probably, would have frowned upon and said, no, 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 we're, we're with Jabin. Don't kill Sisera. But something rose up in her and said, no, I am with God. I am for him, and he's delivered sister. I mean, literally, ding dong, came to my door. Here he is. I'm going to take care of this guy. The second thing is that she's strong in resourcefulness. She uses what she has available, right? I can just see her kind of, oh, here's some milk. Okay, yeah, here's a blanket. Go ahead, lay down. He conks out. She's like, ah, 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 what? What do I, uh, okay, a tent pig, uh, okay, a hammer. Okay, those are the things I have. She uses what she has. And she's strong in courage. Sisera was no sissy, okay? He was tired out by the time he got to her, but this is a guy who cruelly oppressed Israel for 20 years. He has all these iron chariots. He's so fearsome that the general of Israel's army won't go up against him. He's like, nope, not doing that unless you go with me, Deb. Because I'm not, I'm not going without it. He's so terrifying. The odds are so far stacked against us that I'm not going to go. And here Jael has him sleeping there. Can you imagine? Here he is. She wants to do something. She wants to win the victory for Israel. Do you think she had a moment of like, oh, this isn't a smart idea. If I step on a twig or he wakes up, he could have overpowered her very easily. Now, it says here that she quietly went and got the tent peg. I'm sure she did. <laughs> I am sure she very quietly went and got it. It took courage to do what she did. It took courage, and the Lord strengthened her in that courage. So the question for us today is, why do we need strengthening? First of all, anybody here ever felt feel weak? I mean, just, yeah, I'm weak. So if we look at Jael's example, there are some different, these are the areas that we could use some strengthening as well. The, the Bible says a lot about strength and areas of strengthening. We're using Jael as our model today to look at these different areas. We need strengthening in our character. We are inconstant people. We fail all the time. And we don't always represent Christ to the world fully or very well. Would you agree with that? Uh, in the hymn, uh, Great is Thy Faithfulness, there's a line that says, I'm prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. I'm prone to leave the God I love. And that's so true for me and probably for you. We have spiritual distraction disorder. Okay. We think that we're gonna do we're gonna do great and I'm really gonna follow the Lord this time and oh yeah I'm following you and squirrel. 
you know? Or, oh, I'm going to do this. Oh, I'm with you, Lord, and I'm going to follow you right after I do this. And then you never get there, right? So we have character problems, if we're honest with ourselves. We don't have follow-through necessarily. The other area we need strength is in our resourcefulness. So many times we look at our lives, our, our problems, the world's issues, stuff going on in our society and in the world, and we say, well, what can I do about it? Ever had that thought? Well, this is, I mean, what can I, I don't have what it takes, what can I do about it? Our problems and the world's problems are so much bigger than us, really so much bigger than us. It's so tempting to fall into apathy or even despair. Well, it's just the way it is. I don't have, what can I do? I'm just a little guy, you know? So easy to say, I don't have what it takes to affect change. I can't even change my own life, my own circumstances. And we really need help and courage. When we face some situations in our lives and, and different circumstances, things that are bigger than us, things that will trample us and kill us without the strength of the Lord, we become frightened. And we can back off from what the Lord is calling us to do. It's not just me, right? We can back off. We can go, oh, well, that's not a wise thing to do, to try and drive a tent peg through this guy's head. Um, maybe it's wisdom not to do that. Maybe it's wisdom not to pursue what the Lord has asked you to do. We can lie to ourselves, can't we? We really can. Listen, if the Lord has called you to do something, take courage. He is with you. He is for you, and he will strengthen your arm for whatever he's got for you. Whether it's hard conversations, difficult relationships, societal problems, whatever it is that you're facing that you're like, whoa, I don't think I should take this on. Whatever it is, we can ask for courage. And beyond that, beyond our own personal lives, this is the year of living justice. This is what we feel like the Lord has called us to do as Bethel. We cannot live justice as a church without character, resourcefulness, or courage. We can't. If we're lacking those things, we will make zero difference in this world. This is something we need. So, the next question, who does the Lord strengthen? Well, the truth is, not everybody. Well, it doesn't sound very much like the Lord. It's true. <laughs> it's what his word says. He's not going to strengthen just anybody. So who does he strengthen? James 4, 6 says that God opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. Whenever I read this verse, I have, I have this picture of two, two guys at a starting line, and they're ready. I'm not going to do this right. They're ready. <laughs> they're ready to go, two guys. And one of them is just full of himself. Oh, yeah, I worked out, totally ready to go. Check out my muscles, ready. I had, I had like a record time last time. You know, he's puffing out his chest. And the other guy's going, Lord, I, I, I know that my only strength comes from you. I know that anything that you allow me to do is because of the strength you've given me. 
help me, Lord. I want to honor you in this race. This is what the Bible says. The first guy, the Lord stands here with his hand on his head and goes, I oppose you. I don't want the Lord to oppose me. The Lord opposing someone? I mean, you are going nowhere. I have this picture of the guy, and he's trying, he's spinning his wheels, and it's like a cartoon, you know, where they're, they're running, and they see the circles because their feet are going so fast. That's what this guy's doing. He's spinning out because God's saying, nope. And the other guy, he goes, that's my boy. I'm going to put wings on your feet. That's right. Get it. Run, run, run. Who wants to be that guy? Yeah. It makes all the difference, and, and God doesn't promise to strengthen anyone. If we come before him with humility, we can receive his grace. If not, he actually opposes us. Yikes. In Chronicles, there's a story of the king Asa, who was a terrible king, and there's a prophet of the Lord who comes to tell him that, and in the middle of his message saying, you know, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, there's this little delicious nugget, and here's what it says. Second Chronicles 16.9, this is what he says. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. He's actively seeking to empower his people. He's scanning, actively Oh, oh, that one's fully committed to me. Yes, I can strengthen them. Woo! They are listening to my voice. They are following my command. They are being obedient. I'm going to give them strength. He's actively doing that. I want to be someone who stands up and goes, me, 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 I'm fully committed. Give me your strength, yeah. But it says there that he's looking, looking, looking. Why is he looking so hard? Maybe there aren't that many that are fully committed, fully committed to him. But when he finds that person, he's looking to strengthen them. That's who he is. Why? Because when we're fully committed to him, we are working toward his purposes. And he goes, I can use that one. Give him strength. So that's who the Lord strengthens. Help us be those people. How does the Lord give us strength? So now we know who, how. How does he do it? Well, the Holy Spirit. Simple. Jesus said at one point, I got to go so that someone better can come. Uh, better than you? In what way? I mean, you're God incarnate. and You're, you're Jesus, right? This, who can be better? And he's referring to the Holy Spirit. It's not a competition. They're all in the Godhead, okay? <laughs> but what Jesus is referring to there is that the Holy Spirit isn't stuck in a physical body. The Holy Spirit can do everything Jesus did everywhere at the same time. Holy Spirit is described in many ways. He has many roles. He's our comforter. There's a lot of different ways that he's described. But I think the most telling one is actually in Acts right before Pentecost in Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. 
See, the Holy Spirit, as gentle and comforting as he is, he is full of power. When he comes, it's not always quiet. He comes in powerful ways to show his power and to empower and strengthen his people. The word there for power is dynamin. Anybody think of anything that goes with that? Dynamite, dynamic, right? Any of those things. And what does that mean? It implies the power to change, cause a reaction, make a boom, do something. That's what it's saying, that you will receive a boom when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will receive a change. You will receive a reaction, a catalyst. It's going to be dynamite. This means when we get dynamined by the Holy Spirit that we have the power to actually change because he does the work. So how does the Lord change us in these areas? He changes our character. He changes our faithlessness into steadfastness in the Lord. In every area that we've wandered and walked away and failed, he can shore us up and change us into his image. Here's what 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, We all with unveiled faces, we have unveiled faces because Jesus has revealed the Father to us. With unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory. We're being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord, who is the the Spirit. He makes us more like Jesus. Romans 8, 29 says, it's in the middle of this gorgeous passage about being more than conquerors. He says, for those that God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Jesus is the mold, and the Holy Spirit is pushing it into pushing us into it, right? He's actually making us more like Jesus, the one with perfect character, who loved people perfectly, who did everything well, who wept with those who wept, laughed, did miracles. He's making us into his image. He's making me more like Jesus. He's making you more like Jesus. How? It comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. He actually changes our spiritual DNA. Galatians 5, 23 very well-known passage. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I mean, mostly I've got all those covered without the Holy Spirit, but... You know, could use a little help in the joy area. No, totally sarcastic, okay? I have none of these things within myself. And I mean none, okay? I don't love people well without Jesus. I don't have peace without Jesus. I'm not patient. I don't have any of those things. But this is what the Spirit does to us, in us. He actually changes us and gives us a different fruit. No longer am I sprouting anger. No louder, no longer am I sprouting, you know, constant. You know, have you seen Debbie Downer from Saturday Night Live? Well, we're all gonna get tired, right? Always being that person who is just so negative. Great skit, you should look it up. <laughs> 
you know, God produces a different fruit in us. How? By his spirit. Um, I just reread The Hiding Place. If you haven't read it, please just go read it. It's Corrie Ten Boom's book um, about her story. And um, this is a story of how Jesus changes our human nature and our character. This is Betsy, her sister. She and Corey were in several different places, uh, uh, you know, moved around by the Nazis. They were uh, in Holland during the time of the occupation in World War II. And they were moved around to a couple different concentration camps. And there was one where they were in the very worst of the worst, Ravensbrück. And um, this, this craziness is going on. All this horrible uh, crimes against humanity happening around them. And Corey, you know, in the book, she says several times, Betsy was far, you know, better than me. She, <laughs> she, was, she knew the Lord better. She behaved better. But here's something. There was a man who actually... Um, betrayed them and turned them in. Uh, they were hiding Jews, and there was a man who turned them on, in named Jan Vogel. And here's what Corey said to her sister while they were in the concentration camp. Betsy, don't you feel anything about Jan Vogel? Doesn't it bother you? And here's what Betsy said. Oh, yes, Corey, terribly. I've felt for him ever since I knew, and I pray for him whenever his name comes into my mind. How dreadfully he must be suffering. Later on, there's another story where they're seeing a, a group of women being cruelly treated, stripped, beaten, broken down, and, and Corey says, oh, this is terrible what's happening. Oh. And Betsy looks and says, oh, I feel, uh, yes, I feel awful for them. And Corey looked and saw that Betsy was looking at the perpetrators, the guards. Why? Because Betsy knew. She knew. The Lord had transformed her character, and she knew what it would be to stand before an eternal God. Now, that is not a natural response, right? Lord, give us your heart. The Lord can help us in our resourcefulness. See, when David went to fight Goliath, he kind of looked around and saw what he had. He had a slingshot. Okay, we're near a river. I'm going to grab these stones. That's what I have. Dale had camping equipment. Okay, that's what she had around her that she could use to bring the victory. However, as believers and people who have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, our resources are actually unlimited. Let me say that again. We don't just have what's around us. We don't just have our skills or what's in us. We don't just have our strength. We have the Holy Spirit living in us, and our resources are unlimited. Why? Because it's him doing the work. Easy. He's doing the work. In Mark 13, 11, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples very openly about everything that was going to happen. Here's what he says. Whenever you're arrested, because it's going to happen, and brought to trial, don't worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever's given to you at the time, for it's not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. Now, if someone said that to me, I'd be like, cool, 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 but um, what am I going to say, though? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Holy Spirit, but I mean... 
I should probably have like something prepared, right? But that's not what Jesus says. Don't worry about it. There's another version that says, when you open your mouth, it will be the Holy Spirit speaking. I mean, that takes some faith and confidence in the Lord. Show up at a meeting where you're likely to be flogged, killed, you know, excommunicated, the whole thing, and just go, I mean, that's a faith walk. I would be like, what if nothing comes out of my mouth? What if I stammer and stumble and look like an idiot and basically, you know, work myself into a hole? But this is what Jesus is saying. Don't worry about it. Say whatever is given to you. It's not you speaking. It's the Holy Spirit. We need that dependence on the Lord, don't we? In Ephesians 1, uh, we're going to read 19 and 20, but right before that it says, I'm praying, this is Paul speaking to the Ephesians, I'm praying that you would know the love, I'm praying that you would know the joy, I'm praying that you would know all these things. But here's what he gets to in verse 19. And his incomparably, what does that mean? Can't be compared to. It's like nothing else. His incomparably great power for us who believe. What sort of power? That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. The same power that reached into the depths of Jesus' death, pulled him out, threw the earth, threw him up into heaven at the right seat, glorified, exalted, the name above all names. That same power lives in me and it lives in you. We have an unlimited resource I mean, really, do you feel that? Do you have lightning coursing through your veins? I don't feel that way all the time, but it's true. It's what the Holy Spirit has told us and given us through his son. Listen, the same power that raised Christ from the dead is living and active today. It has never stopped. It is living in his people, and it lives in you and me. In Acts chapter 3, we're told a story about Peter is walking down the street, and there's a, a lame beggar there. And he's like, oh, you know, alms for the poor. Um, do you have anything you can give me? I wonder if Peter checked his pockets first. I wonder if Peter went, ugh, Because it says, well, I don't have any gold or silver, right? But what I have, I'll give you. Which would you prefer? <laughs> Here comes Peter and says, hey, you know, I don't have any silver or gold. You can't buy a hamburger today, but I'm giving you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And the guy does. Unlimited resources for the Holy Spirit. Today, really? I mean, Peter was an apostle. Yes, today. Yes today, yes you, yes me. I am filled with the Holy Spirit. Another way the Lord gives us strength is in our courage. Anybody ever lack courage? Yeah, man. Me too. It takes courage, doesn't it, to face life, to do ministry as the body of Christ, to, to change ourselves, to change situations to look at difficulty or grief or hard relationships. Man, we get overwhelmed. It's bigger than us, isn't it? 
But we can face these things, even though they're bigger, even though they look more mighty, even though they look more powerful. Through the Holy Spirit. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 28. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Well, how? Through the Holy Spirit. He's with me always. There's a battle cry in Hebrews 10.39. People had started falling away from the Lord, started shrinking back in discouragement to faith. And here's what it says. But we, come on guys, come on guys, we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. This is a battle cry. He goes, come on, guys, come on. You can't shrink back. You can't do that. We are not those who shrink back. Call out your identity in the Lord. Are you going to be someone who shrinks back in the face of difficulty? Or are you going to be someone who says, I've got the Holy Spirit. I don't shrink back. I have faith. I am saved. Jesus Christ is on my side. I look up. I see his glory in the heavens. He says he's in me. He says he's with me. I'm not afraid. Can we be those people? Man, through the Lord we can. It reminds me of, um, have you seen uh, Avengers Endgame? Because if not, you'll want to stop your ears because I'm, I'm about to do some spoilers here. <laughs> so there's a scene in the movie where it's the original six um, Avengers. Forgive me if this is all over your head. The, the original six Avengers, and they start losing, right? And they're like, oh, it's all going downhill. And then suddenly, these portals, I mean, it's all set in space and stuff, so. Just go with me here. <laughs> These portals open up, and everybody else starts coming. Here's Black Panther. Oh, here's this person. Oh, here's this other. Oh, yeah. And there is a rally cry. And they look at their enemy, and they go, oh, you got it now. <laughs> we were losing. Now we're winning because the victor has come. He is on my side. He is on your side. He can show up. We can look and see him coming and say, oh, hell you got it coming now. Look who just showed up. Isaiah 42, 16 has some beautiful promises. 40, 41, 42, they're all about strength and, and God's promises to us. Um, Phil Kagey did a song out of Isaiah 42, these verses. And here's what it says. Last night, I asked my heavenly father about the way I should go. I said, Lord, I can't see your path before me. All I can see is rocky road. So take me through. And he spoke to me these words of simple truth. I will lead the blind by the way they don't know. In paths they don't know, I will guide them. I will make darkness into light before them and rugged places into plains. I will take the impossible and make it possible. I will make a way. And this is the chorus. These are the things I will do, I will do, I will do, and I will not leave them undone. These are the things I will do, I will do, I will do, and I will not leave them undone. And that's God's promise in Isaiah 42. He says, I'm going to do these things. I will not forsake my promise. You can count on it. That's his promise to us. You can build your life on that. I'd like to um, invite us to a time of reflection.
just take a minute in your seat and, you know, we've really only covered a few things here out of Jael's story. There are so many areas where we seek and need strength that we don't have within ourselves. But I want to ask us these questions this morning. Where do you need strength? Do you need consistency of character? Who I am. I need strength in who I am. Do you need strategy for your resources? How do I do things? How do I parent my children? How do I do my work? Do you need courage in your perspective? How do you see things? Do they look like mountains? Or does the Lord make them flat before you in the spirit? Do you need courage? Or are there other things that you need strength for today? That same hymn that talks about wandering from the Lord says, I have strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings are all mine with 10,000 beside. Strength for today, bright hope for tomorrow. Let me give you just a minute to, to think about that. Worship team, if you would come up, we're going to close. got it in your heart? Have you got it in your mind where you need strength? This is the word of the Lord out of Isaiah 41. This is God speaking to us today. I said, you are my servant. I have chosen you and not rejected you. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. All who rage against you will surely be ashamed and disgraced. Those who oppose you will be as nothing and perish. Though you search for your enemies, you will not find them. Those who wage war against you will be as nothing at all. For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand. Grab me, Jesus. Give me strength. Grab my right hand, Father. I take hold of your right hand and I say to you, do not fear, I will help you. I want to invite you for a time of prayer, and this is this is my prayer for us as a church, and it's actually out of JL's song. It says, May all who love you, Lord, be like the sun when it rises in its strength. We're gonna um, have a little time, we're closing up here, but we're gonna have a little time here at the altar. If you need prayer, we have people standing by to pray with you. This is the time. This is the day of salvation. It's now, right? No need to wait. No point in waiting unless you want to struggle longer. He's the God who gives strength. His eyes are roaming and saying, who is committed to me? Who is committed to me? Strengthen them. I encourage you to, to come up. And if it's that you need consistency and character, strategy, if you need courage, or, or something else. Maybe you do need physical strength. Maybe that, that's your area where it's like, I actually could use some physical strength. By all means, this is who God is. This is his nature, to 
strengthen his people. We're going to give a chance to come forward, so um, go ahead and do that. We're going to sing, and then we'll have people up here to